Well, hey everyone, um, I'm Ellie Coggins Angus, I'm associate editor here with Electrical Wholesaling, and I'm here with our editor in chief, Jim Lucy, um, popular in our industry, of course, and he's here to just share his wealth of knowledge around the November cover issue, the annual staple, that market planning guide that I, I think is super useful to our readers. Um, this is my second one around, and I feel like this year I, I feel much more like I know what's going on with it since I'm still <laughs> fairly new with electrical wholesaling. Um, so Jim, just right off the bat, um, can you kind of explain what this year's findings were for listeners? Um, you know, those pockets of opportunity people may, may be looking for, um, metros that really caught your eye. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, we uh, the forecast as a whole, uh, we're looking at, as you can imagine, a decline in the 2020 numbers. Uh, our survey respondents came in maybe a little more optimistic than I thought in both cases. Uh, we're looking at a 1.6% decrease in, in uh, total electrical sales through distributors in 2020, looking at a 7.3% increase uh, next year. I, my gut tells me those are maybe uh, a point or two optimistic on both cases, I think. I think the decline this year will eventually check out to be uh, a bit, probably a, a couple points lower for sure. Uh, one of the markers I use in determining that too is we, we uh, have a, a good working relationship with the folks from Discorp in Houston. Uh, Christian Sokol has an article actually in the uh, November issue. And just to give you a point of reference there, uh, he's, uh, DISC is forecasting a decline of 9.4% uh, in 2020. And in 2021, uh, we were a little bit closer, we were about 4.8%, uh, uh, the, the uh, 4.8% increase there. So, uh, but I, I, as much as I, uh, I saw the differences there and I was like kind of stressing on, I said, like, oh my God, are we way off this year? And I, I, and I was looking at some other forecasts. I really like the uh, American Institute of Architects. They have their uh, consensus forecast. They have, I think it's eight uh, construction economists from the, the best construction economist firms around. And they take their forecast for different parts of the construction market and they uh, put them all together. And then they, uh, but I was surprised at uh, the, the range of forecasts, even for people with, you know, doctors and economists, <laughs> economics and all, that they were all over the place as well. So, I mean, it's basically, I always look at forecasting like when you put a forecast, it's kind of like a, if you were if you were into sailing, it's kind of a marker out in the channel. It's kind of telling you where the, the path is, you know, the two markers aren't in exactly the same spot, but it kind of gives you a channel that you can kind of navigate through. So it's not, I guess it's important not to get too hung up on a specific number rather than just get the, if you're looking at different forecasts, get the range of forecasts, you can kind of get a general idea which way the market uh, might be going. And, and the other thing to remember really with any forecast number two is it really, it's just, it is a snapshot in time from whether the data point that you happen to be using, or in our case, the survey respondent. And, and it, with the market planning guide, uh, most of the surveys came in in the August and September timeframe. So that'll determine what, how people are thinking uh, if they're bullish or uh, pessimistic about the market. Uh, the other, only other thing I would add on the overall market is that our distributors are generally, a, they're an optimistic bunch. They're, they're, they're very good with numbers and they, they know their markets, but they generally sometimes they'll come out and like, gosh, that sounds a little optimistic, but, but darn it, you know, when we come and they say, okay, how did your business really do that year in the, in the following year survey? And they're pretty much spot on. So they, we don't net, always have to adjust ours all that much. So this year will be uh, particularly interesting, I think, to see how they, uh, what kind of adjustments have to be made there. Yeah, of course. And um, definitely, you know, before we, we dig too deep into this, um, I think you know these are the things that people love. Like, what are those pockets of opportunity? What are those metros that really, you know, despite everything going on in the economy and in our country, that you know just continue to keep growing? Mm -hmm. That people should be keeping their eye on. Mm -hmm. 
first one that comes to mind is uh, Austin, Texas. I mean, that is just uh, almost, an, compared to many markets, almost an embarrassment of riches with the amount of construction projects going in. I want to say, if I saw a report before the pandemic, they, they, they had at least 30, I think it was something like 30 office towers either planned or under, under construction in the, uh, in the downtown area, and which is pretty, pretty phenomenal. And then they also, uh, more recently, I heard that Tesla's going to build one of their gigafactories for their electric vehicle thing. It's going to be a gigantic factory, one of the biggest industrial projects in the entire nation, again, in Austin, which is really, by so many different measures, if you want to look at it by building permits or population growth, people moving into the area, uh, it is growing so much faster than anywhere else. I mean, it's very tough to com uh, compare it to. Uh, Phoenix is also another one that is top of mind to me. Uh, particularly in the electrical contractor market, the, uh, the, the change in the, uh, the number of contractors that are um, adding contractors and what has been a really a tough, tough market climate there, but there's a lot of uh, light, resident, light residential and light commercial construction there. Uh, the one thing that I always, that when I look at Phoenix and uh, if you've had a chance to look at some of the uh, data that we've put out in the market planning guide this year, we've, we've, this is the, we've published something called the core electric, electrical potential. And that's how we use our sales per employee uh, figures, the calculators that are in every year's market planning guide. We do a calculation for the number of electrical contractor employees, industrial, we figure what the total sales are for an estimate. Uh, and then we roll it into, I combine them, and I call it the core electrical potential because between contractors and industrial, you're talking about 75, 70, 75 percent of the uh, electrical products that are sold into a market. But it always amazes me that uh, Phoenix, per perhaps even more than any other market, uh, it accounts for 77 percent of the state of Arizona's total electrical potential there. And I just think that's a uh, I just uh, kind of blows my mind, you know. It, to me, it's and it's not just more like a. I guess you could say it's not an idle statistic. You have to look at uh, that. Then you say, okay, if you're a manufacturer, you have to say, okay, do I have enough reps in the Phoenix market to cover that? Right. If it's that dominant potential, do I have enough reps here? Do my distributors have enough warehouses there? Uh, or excuse me, inventory in the warehouse. Do they have enough branches there? And it also, you know, when you're, if you're a local distributor or rep, you'd say, okay, how's my market share? Gosh, I didn't realize it was, um, you know, I didn't realize it's, is it that big? You know, do, do I have, what kind of market share do I have of this particular uh, market? Uh, and one of the other things that I, I like, like to play around with numbers a little bit, but I'll, I'll look at a, a local market or occasionally a state and I'll compare it to the, um, I'll look at some other measurements. Maybe it's the population, the percent of what does Phoenix population account for of the total uh, state of Arizona. It grows domestic product, and it, it, it's amazing how often they'll be within a couple of percentage points. I just uh, kind of a nerdy diversion, I guess, to some <laughs> degree. Uh, but I, uh, the gross is Phoenix. I mentioned 77 percent of all electrical products that are estimated are sold to the Phoenix market. The gross, uh, the, their, the gross metropolitan product, it's kind of the GDP, but at the metro level also 77 percent. Um, one other market that it will always uh, amazes me about just how giant it is, and what a big piece of the uh, total U.S. economy it is, is, the, is California. Um, it's electrical potential, the total U.S. market, the core electrical potential, about 11% of the total, all electrical products are sold in the state of California. And if you want to take a guess on the population, what the total population of the U.S. compared to California, it's about 12%. And the, <laughs> the state GDP is about 13%. So all within, a, very often you'll see a state and they're very similar percent and again it's really it most importantly it's just to kind of get a sense of making sure that um, our readers our reps and manufacturers and distributors have the resources uh, properly deployed in the in these markets
Awesome. And then um, we touched on this perhaps a bit with some of the projects you mentioned earlier. Um, but with projects and um, that are you know either underway on your radar um, coming up for you know this upcoming year, um, what are some of those industries or types of pro projects that are going to really be big? Sure. Uh, yeah, there's three things that, that come across loud and clear, um, and I just, through my research over the past couple months, and uh, actually just yesterday I sat in on the Dodge Construction Outlook, where they kind of get into the uh, forecast for the coming year, and I'd recommend it to anyone that has an interest in the kind of the macro uh, figures in the market is to uh, get to have a chance to attend it. It was the first one that was on uh, virtual, but uh, it was interesting in that they, the three, there are three markets that they pegged as hopefully growth markets for 2021. We're also ones that we've discussed a lot in electrical wholesale, electrical marketing, uh, data centers, uh, large warehouses for, for uh, to take on the local warehouses to take on the uh, influence and the amount of e-commerce that people want to have, and also single-family construction, which is done uh, very well. So, uh, you know, with, with the data centers, you know, we've, uh, we we track we track them very closely, and it, it is as you can imagine a lot of the uh, tech firms, but uh, but Microsoft, Facebook. Google and Amazon are building the, not a month goes by that you're not hearing about some new one. And they're often very large projects. Uh, total construction is about 100 million to $200 million. If you guesstimate that an electrical piece of that construction is about 10% uh, of a just typical construction project, you can see that there are very large projects. Um, there's an area that uh, some people don't realize that is actually particularly popular uh, for these projects is the uh, Iowa and Nebraska. There's a lot of data centers being built there. Uh, part of the reason, central location. Another thing is there was a Quest Corp, a big telecommunication firm, at one time had installed a lot of fiber optic cabling uh, in the ground. They called it dark cable. They put it there. They didn't know if they'd ever really need it. And it just was never used until the last, probably about 10 years or so. And they, this, the data centers, they saw that and they were using it. They said, oh, I, we can get our information you know, around on that. The other thing, too, is the, uh, I'll see if I can pronounce this one with my mask on. Seismologically, it's a very, uh, very safe area. You're not going to see a lot of earthquakes or whatever there. So they, wanted, they thought that would be a good spot for we them. You did a great job with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but that is, that, that's a hot spot for data centers, that whole area. Uh, particularly not too far, Omaha to over to Des Moines, Iowa, and, and Metro is right around there. Uh, Primeville, Oregon is very big. I think Facebook has a couple of different data centers up there. So a very fascinating, and Oregon in general is, has a lot of data centers. I, I, gosh, I'm trying to think of the name of the town right on the Oregon coast, but they had data centers right near the coast, and part of that reason is some of the trans-Pacific cables that come over from uh, Japan and uh, China with a little different information all it is a direct it's a direct link for them So they had the uh, cabling right there and they wanted to have the data center to so I guess store some of the data <laughs> some of the information uh, Right there um, you occasionally see hot spots and danger centers. I haven't seen as much as recently But in Chicago, it, they're actually an urban data center They want it there and the other one that always interested me too and again This is this one is this type of data center slowed down a bit but I know uh, along the um, Jersey uh, Hudson River riverfront in New Jersey, uh, they want that there was a number of data centers being built there because with Wall Street, the way the online trading has gone, where it's down to the basically micro center. Second, they want to have the uh, data as close as possible. We're making mm -hmm. a trade, and if you want the uh, the change of uh, change of the stock price, if you can have the data center where it's holding all this type of data. It closer literally makes a difference, you know, that well, you wouldn't think it did, but it, that'll actually make it to be geographic closer to the trading floor or where the traders that are making 
you know, many of these trades, and they still are very, you know, obviously a big concentration of them on Wall Street. So, yeah, so anyway, data centers very big. Uh, the warehouses that we mentioned, particularly with the tech firms, uh, single-family construction is, is in many of the um, in many markets, particularly the markets that we you could normally expect in the Sun Belt. I mean, most of the all the major markets in Florida grow, continue to grow like crazy. Whether it's the Orlando's or the Tampa or Jacksonville or uh, Fort Myers area, or Fort Fort Lauderdale down in Miami, a lot of construction there for sure. I think, believe Atlanta's done pretty well. I mentioned Austin before. Dallas is, Dallas is another market that's doing uh, doing very very well with uh, construction. Uh, I think a little bit less so in along the uh, front the uh, front range in Colorado. I, I did actually very large. You mentioned Utah before. Uh, I think that's also very strong as well. Awesome, and I. I, our readers and listeners for this unfortunately aren't going to be able to see this, but we are very excited because for the first time in over six months, um, Jim and I are both in person recording this, wearing our masks, of course, social distancing, um, which which is exciting, but perhaps perhaps a little muffled. So if you hear that, that is why. Um, but of course, I couldn't go this whole podcast without mentioning um, the pandemic and the role that you know COVID 19s implications are having on the industry and on this year's market planning guide. Um, so could you give us? Um, I think you touched on it. Could you give us a little bit more on how the pandemic is playing into this year's market planning guide, whether it was through those reader responses, through your, you know, the forecasts you usually turn to or, or anything of that sort? Sure. And I, I think really, and I just saw a number uh, yesterday as I was researching for our podcast today, that during the height of the pandemic, it was a million construction jobs were lost. I mean, just that mm-hmm. it was a giant amount. It was back in the April or May timeframe. Fortunately, many of them have come back. But when you think that, in, in particular, I think of uh, Boston and Pennsylvania, they really shut down almost all, if not all, uh, construction projects. I think there was to some degree, depending on definition, essential projects, essential industries or whatever, but totally decimated uh, different parts of the uh, market because of those uh, shutdown of those businesses. Uh, other, other, part, other parts of the country and it did not have that effect, but those were two, it, two, two regions that were particularly hard hit, I think. Uh, uh, on that, you know, certainly, you know, it just, uh, it just as you all know, as as companies have been forced to operate more virtually, the salespeople were not able to make calls onto the construction sites. They had to learn to do a lot of their uh, sales pitches and calls uh, on vir- virtually. So that was a that was a big thing. It's it, it's affected a lot of companies, and you know, we we saw the you know, results in our uh, our forecast, ours, and also uh, Discorp, and as we mentioned, the consensus construction forecast uh, that AIA puts together, looking all at some pretty dramatic declines uh, from uh, for this year and hopefully things will start to ratchet up you know little by little next year but it's gonna it'll be a while before we get back to some sort of normal on that I I think as far as Mm -hmm. the uh, the type of industry sales that we will uh, can normally expect to see but I think that um you know I think we will get back there the the one the kind of the one danger signal I think you might say and certainly no surprise to any of us I think is uh, what's gonna happen with office construction I was I was listening the other day, I did a report from the Wall Street Journal, they said that overall only offices are 25% full as a, on a national statistic. I mean, <laughs> we're sitting here in our Kansas City office, it's a lot, <laughs> a lot less than, striking. <laughs> than, than that. And uh, I do know that they mentioned that, it, but it, it's very regional in that. Uh, New York, they say about 10, only 10% of the folks are going into offices right now. They said the Dallas market was about 45%. So what that means is really what kind of, what's the demand for new office space going, going to be on that? Um, 
some economists have uh, ventured out to say that they think there'll be more, more modification work where pe maybe it's going to, where they might reconfigure offices for better social distancing. Oh, but the big one is very definitely is the air handling system, more filtration, get, making mm -hmm. sure the air is changed more regularly. But the, the demand for new office space where people are really trying to figure out, and it is the billion dollar question, is what is the demand for new construction? How's this going to affect, with all, everyone working at home, how's that going to affect the office piece of the market? Alteration should be decent. It should actually be very good right now. But that, that'll be one uh, piece of the market that we'll really try to have to have figure out. There's other, the other part too is the, um, on the local, for local, local state and government. So that for their, they have been strapped by the different things they've had to do to keep up with the different uh, uh, safety measures that they've had to put in place. Uh, there's been a lot of talk in, on Capitol Hill about are they going to help out the state governments or local governments to do this, but when they don't have the budget to do it, that might mean they don't have the, the budget to put in the schools perhaps, or different, uh, maybe a, a local, if it's a state or public hospital or whatever. So that'll be a very, that is another, I'd say those are the two things that really stick out to me. The uh, office construction and what's going to happen on the state and local level as far as they might, where they can where they might be investing into the local construction project that may have to be deferred until they can get some budget back for that. Well, I just want to thank listeners for tuning into this um, this November episode um, of the podcast, especially and how exciting it is for us to finally be here in person. Um, but just to, as we near the end, just to wrap up, um, are there any other just final takeaways or any tidbits that you just want to make sure that readers get um, from listening to this and that they may get from actually checking out the full um, article that I haven't already. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the one thing, uh, and I really I do urge you to take, take a look at the uh, article, the digital issue is posted right now. We do have to get the individual uh, article post over the next couple of days. But the one thing that's very different uh, this year is that um, I did put up what I mentioned, the core electrical potential forecast. I, I did put that in for um, all the different states and the major metros. Uh, that is normally information that we just provide as part of a subscription to electrical marketing. We, but we said, you know, we're going to, and we update that four times a year as part of a $99 subscription to electrical marketing. Uh, but we decided I'm just going to try it out. I want to see how that looks, what, what kind of feedback we get from uh, readers on that. So that's very different, actually. And you'll see those numbers there. Again, they're a point in time. It's only through the third quarter. Uh, and things will have to get up. We update that on a quarterly basis on uh, electrical marketing. Get it. But we did put that into the market planning guide this year, something very different. Uh, the other thing that I'd like to mention, and uh, if you're a distributor out there, and next year if you do get a survey from us, please respond, because this was a, and I don't know if it had something to do with the uh, pandemic, but we got a very light response this year. And it was light enough, we normally, as if you've been a, a faithful user of the market planning guide in the past, we've always had a sales forecast by the larger regions. We did not get enough uh, responses per region to do that again. So you can see how we, uh, changed how we laid it out a bit there, but I uh, just yeah. If you do get it, it's a quick survey, taking about five minutes to do. But uh, if you see that coming through your email, uh, please respond next year. It helps us do a better job. But uh, I'll certainly be glad to chat with any of you uh, if you'd like to talk about our forecasts or some of what you're seeing in your local market. You can get in touch with me at jlucy at endeavorb2b.com, and uh, always enjoy talking about the market uh, market forecasts and what people are seeing in their local markets and. Glad to chat with any of you about that in the future.
Awesome. Thank you, Jim. And again, if you want more information, um, definitely go online, www.ewweb.com. And as Jim mentioned, you can also um, check out Electrical Marketing Newsletter um, at www.electricalmarketing.com. And we'll go ahead and drop all that information in the summary as well. So thank you for tuning in.